Welcome to Beyond Dieting. We're two friends on a mission to disrupt the insanity of diet culture and replace it with something positive, life-affirming, and effective. We are talking to you if you, like us, have felt like a poster child for diet failure, or that diets work for other people, just not you, or like you just can't stick to anything, or this would work if only you were disciplined enough, blah, blah, blah. If that's you, then we are here to tell you that the problem is not you. The problem is dieting. As life coaches, empty nesters, busy entrepreneurs, and menopausal women, we don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach to health and wellness, but we do know what has worked for us and other women in our programs. What's abundantly clear to us is that there is no silver bullet diet or exercise regimen, period, full stop, and we've tried a lot of them. Stick with us as we explore a variety of doable and motivational ways you can free yourself from a lifetime of yo-yo dieting. It is possible to live a healthier, saner, and more fulfilling life you enjoy. Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. In today's episode, we are talking about how to deal effectively with your salt and sugar and carb cravings. We will touch uh, on five ways to deal with these cravings after surgery. Yeah, I mean, kind of, Lee, I think what we're sharing are some of the ways that we've trialed and errored how to deal with our own personal cravings, right? Exactly. And and we've read, I mean, we've done some extensive reading on it too, but to help us <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> to try things, because we've, we've tried a, a lot of things and now we've kind of compiled what tends to work. And, but again, Mimi and I are different people. You know, we, what works for Mimi isn't necessarily going to work for me and vice versa. So we'll talk about our individual differences here too. And that part of it's just finding what works for you. Yeah. And, and I just want to say like, I have different things that work for different situations, like something yes. that works in the car something that works, you know, when I'm feeling stressed. So it, it Absolutely. really is, um, you know, I think you have to play with it a little bit. Yeah. Patience is required, which is often, it's definitely not my strong suit, <laughs> <laughs> but patience is required and to just allow yourself time to work on this so that you're not beating yourself up if you don't get it perfect right off the bat. Yeah. And I think the very first thing, first of all, is start the journey of self-forgiveness right now. Like break the seconds. Like forgiving (laughs) now. You know, forgive that like the pre-surgery version of you that really started to build that um, addictions to sugar and or salty and snack foods, whichever. Maybe you um, struggle with both of them. Maybe it's just one Mm -hmm. of them. But today we're really kind of focusing on just like sugars and salts. Yeah. And I added carbs in there too, because carbs turn into sugars in your body. So if you're somebody who's like, well, I'm not a salt and sugar person, but boy, do I eat my bread and my pasta. So that this will include you too. Um, So think of the you before surgery. And 
I'm not sure how you're thinking about the you before surgery, but if you're thinking you were a bad person and you could just couldn't do it, um, try to look at that version of you with some compassion. She was dealing with cravings and food the best way she knew how. Um, she is not someone to be ashamed of that you before surgery. She was in a tough spot physically. Um, she had developed maybe some habits, some compulsions. And the reason you want to forgive her and have compassion is she still is going to be a part of your ultimate success, believe it or not, because she has a lot of information for you about what does and does not work for you as an individual. Yeah, I love that idea of bringing that version of you and the thoughts and feelings that she had into helping you come up with the solutions mm-hmm. now. And I think Lee, it goes back to that idea that um, every solution is going to be individual. Yes, absolutely. And and she's a big part of what um, what brought you here. And we know that ultimately, you know, we're all looking for success and whatever success is for us and our bodies. And how can we make that happen? And you can't make it that happen with shame and beating yourself up, you know, and mm-hmm. or trying to like say, that's not me anymore, or I don't want to be her anymore. I think a lot of, we've heard so many of you say to us, I just don't want to fall back into my old habits. I'm so scared. I'll just gain the weight again. And that fear won't help you reach your goals. (laughs) It's really by coming to terms with who you were, kind of embracing her and giving her some love and bringing her along because she does have information for you. Yes, it may be true that you don't want to carry over her habits. And she understands that, you know, you don't need to be mad at her but bring her cause her brain is filled with information for you. Yeah. And I think um, just acknowledging that your journey through this process, there's going to be a lot of super victories and you're going to want to celebrate those. And there's going to be defeats and slips and falls and mess ups. And I think there's a tendency to really hone in on those and pay attention more to where we mess up and what those like defeats are instead of really um, acknowledging the victories and, and being proud of those. Yeah. Because even before surgery, you had a lot of victories, but probably because you did reach a certain BMI, you may be focused only on what didn't go well and what was bad, but you actually had a lot of victories even before the surgery. And you're probably even having victories now. Every single day, there's some kind of victory going on. So start trying to kind of widen the lens and look for the good stuff, the, the stuff that makes you strong. The topic, when you're going to hear us say this a lot, you know, navigating your weight loss journey is complex. It's not a simple either or kind of solution. Either or thinking is probably actually what got you the BMI you had before surgery, because it's out there. It's out there in the diet industry. Doctors can have it sometimes this yes or no, either or, you know, never do this, always do this. It's like very extreme. And uh, so part of your journey forward is learning to think in a more complex, nuanced way. That's going to help you get what you want. 
So you definitely don't want to keep using either or thinking as you navigate your journey after surgery. Yeah. And I think it's a, that really relates a lot to cravings and urges too, because that's such a complex thing. What drives them, even Lee and I, when we started this, I'm um, researching this topic and talking about it, we really were coming at it from different ideas of what <laughs> cravings and urges were. And I was like, I don't think we're talking about the exact same thing <laughs> here. Um, right. So it's really, you know, interesting. And you probably, you may even have a totally different way of thinking about a craving than, than either Leah or I did. Yeah. And cravings can come up in different ways, you know, just to define kind of where Vimi and I started. And then we realized we were talking about totally different situations. I was thinking more the day-to-day cravings. Like if you have a, had a sugar habit or a salt habit, and you always had your X, Y, or Z snack before surgery that kind of maybe you crave to the point it almost seemed like an addiction. Um, I was thinking like, how do you handle that on a daily basis and plan to, you know, make a plan that deals with it. Mimi was thinking, and you can kind of define more, but Mimi was thinking more about those off kind of things that just spring up out, out of nowhere. Like you just, you describe where you were coming from. Yeah. And so I was thinking of a craving has like, you've got this like sudden urge, like, ah, I've just got to have something salty. I mean, that's me. I'm like a crunchy, salty chips um, type of craving. And it's typically triggered by something. And that something can be happiness, sadness, frustration, stress, like whatever. But it's like the sudden onset of, I just got to get my hands on this for some reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not real far off from what I was saying, but I was thinking more like, how do you deal with it on a daily basis? And Mimi's is more like, quick emergency, emergency yeah. SOS. I'm suddenly danger, danger. over my personality and I'm going to, I just feel myself moving towards something I really don't want to have. Um, but let me just back to either or thinking um, just to try to show, show you what it looks like in your weight loss journey. Um, either or thinking might sound like the following statements in your head, you know, like sugar is bad. Therefore I can never eat it again. If I want to meet my goals, like it's just either I have sugar or I don't, that's either or. And so if, if I think it's bad and it got me into trouble before, I'll just never ever have it again. And I don't know about you guys, but I hear the warning bells because is that possible for the rest of your life? <laughs> and then the other extreme on either or is sugar isn't bad, which can be argued. We do need glucose to live. But sugar isn't bad. Therefore, I can eat all I want. I can just and still meet my weight goals. I just eat whatever I want because sugar isn't bad. And, you know, there's probably some nuanced, more complex solution there between those two extremes, um, you know, or you know, like others might be, I can't even be near a cupcake. Don't even get it within five miles of my house. I have to avoid my exposure to cupcakes for the rest of my life. Again, warning Will Robinson, is that possible, you know? Um, another one might be I'm either on track or off track today. So if you feel like you goofed up earlier in the day, um, there's this whole cascade of thoughts that can come after that. Either you start beating up on yourself and just feeling bad that you went quote unquote off track, or, you know, a lot, what a lot of people do is 
they're like, well, I already messed up today. So I just might as well rest up, you know, mess up the rest of today. I'll just pig out the rest of the day because I already messed up. And so today's a big black mark on today. And I'll just start again fresh tomorrow. Yeah, I think, um, I think that thought pattern is so common, mm-hmm. right? It's that uh, I've messed up my diet, so I'm going to wait and start next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and you, you just kick the can down the road instead of right now, no matter what happened two hours ago, I can I can recover. I can recover right now. I don't need to wait. I didn't mess up so bad that there's some weird time limit that I need to sit through in purgatory, you know, before I can be good again, you know, you can just like, Oh, well, I guess I had a little extra at breakfast or lunch, or I guess I did have those chips, but you know, the rest of the day I have all these choices I can make that could be good choices that make me feel better. Yeah. I think Lee, this kind of leans back to the idea that um, we were talking about earlier about self-forgiveness Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. as we start to talk about cravings and urges, keeping in mind, you know, that self-forgiveness part, forgiving your past self and like your past self could be what you did this morning, what you did 30 <laughs> minutes ago, you know, yeah. and really get good at this self-forgiveness because that's, what's going to allow you to keep moving forward mm-hmm. because it's, it's, you're completely normal. You are yeah. just as capable as anyone else who's learned to conquer their cravings. Like you can figure out what works for you. Absolutely. I just want to underline that statement Mimi just said. You are completely normal. You may have had a history of feeling like there's just something wrong with you. A lot of people who had weight issues do feel that way. And I would suggest to you to start practicing thinking of yourself as completely normal, even when you mess up. You're totally normal. There's nothing broken about you. It's a part of life. You just get back on the horse right away. You don't, you know, just go down the drain with it. <laughs> um, you're normal if you have an extra chip or a, an extra piece of candy. That's totally normal. Just move on afterwards and forgive yourself. Yeah. So let's kind of dive into that idea of cravings and urges and addiction, you know, and what might be causing that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the main factors is you get that dopamine hit, you know, especially if what you're eating is sugar, but anything that um, is a food that is pleasurable for you is going to give you that dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. And you know what your brain loves? It loves to feel that dopamine surge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think if like historically you've been using um, sugar or salty snacks or carbs or whatever to fire off that dopamine, your cravings have been building and building. And your brain is like, Hey, let's have more of that. You know, where that comes from. Hey, let's get some more of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Mimi, um, it's interesting because Mimi has an the inside scoop from the food industry. Cause that's, you know, part of what you do to this day you've got a lot of inside knowledge on how they create food to be addictive. Actually, they want you to keep coming back for more. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny because definitely the food industry is all on top of how to give you dopamine hits from your food. And it's, it's really why sugar has crept into so many of the foods that we eat. I can remember we used to love to do taco night. 
we had Taco Tuesday. I'm sure there are a lot of families out there that did Taco Tuesday. And all of a sudden, I mean, this was what, 15 years ago or something like that. Um, I remember my husband saying, he goes, I feel like all of the packaged taco season now has started adding sugar to it. Do you feel like our taco meat is starting to taste sweet? He really wasn't a sweet eater at all. And I was like, yeah. And we started looking at packages. And over time we watched every brand started adding sugar into taco seasoning, which I don't even know why that needed to be there. That does not but, need to be there. <laughs> yeah. So we started, you know, we got on this big, like, I don't want all of my food to taste sweet. And so we started looking like into spaghetti sauces. They started, you know, it was hard to find brands that were adding sugar into, I know that's a little bit to, to tone down the acid of the tomato, but it just became more and more prevalent and more and more sugar and like peanut butters, like so many things that didn't need to have sugar added into them. And the food industry knows like, if you eat this food and you get that dopamine hit, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the best brand. I want to get that more because it makes me feel so good. Um right. So they really have upped their game. They know that we're starting to watch, right? So they have all kinds of sneaky ways, all the oses where mm -hmm. they can slide, you know, sugar into your foods. Yeah. Anything that ends in OSE and in the ingredient list, be on guard. And of course, corn syrup is a very toxic kind of sugar that enters your bloodstream. And, um, you know, it's not a complex carbohydrate at all. It's designed almost to be just exactly like a drug. Uh, it hits you fast. Um, and yeah, I remember Mimi, there was this very, I don't know what year that was or what little couple of years that was. I remember being so upset when I could taste in the spaghetti sauce. I'm like, why does it taste sweet to me? And then I looked at the jar and I'm like, why is sugar the second ingredient after tomato? Mm -hmm. <laughs> why it just yeah. ruined it for me but now yeah, we're i i worked um for a restaurant and so manufacturers would come in and show their products and i remember one of the sales guy was like um i don't know he had some catchy name for our customer base that our ceo did not like and he kept saying well so and so like sugar guinea pigs <laughs> Maybe, maybe, but, um, he was like, oh yeah, like your customers like sugar, your customers like salt. And he just said it over and over and over until finally the CEO was like, you don't need to keep telling me what my customers like. I'm aware of what my customers like, but it's like, and he was coming from the manufacturing side. And basically what he was saying is put out the sugar, put out the salt, keep feeding them sugar and salt. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, with that going on in the food industry, you, if you have a history of slow, your weight slowly creeping up or struggling to keep the weight off, the food industry has behaved in a way and made stuff in a way that makes it even harder and more challenging for you. It's not all your fault. There are some things going on for you and your mindset and your the way you behave. It's not entirely your fault. It's not. Yeah. So I think that's kind of one of the main things that we want to say is like what causes cravings and urges. And it actually is um, how the food that you eat has been designed to make you feel. Mm -hmm. so exactly that that's working, but there's also other reasons, right. Where you might have, like, I think you touched on it earlier. It could be just like habit. Like mm -hmm. my habit is that, especially if you work in the office, you know, a lot of people's habit is that mid afternoon slump is overcome with a sugary or salty treat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just 
we like we we are creatures of comfort and habit and um you might just have fallen into a pattern and again entirely human you're humans do best you don't have to think as much when you're in a pattern that you just repeat over and over again it helps you save some brain cells but um you can unlearn habits that's the good news yeah yeah um i know for me that sudden onslaught craving and urge that we were talking about is also um is often emotional craving mm-hmm. you know that there's something typically stress related um and i was like my body is just like And so one of the ways that I trained myself to deal with stressful situations was to snack. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that was my buffering method of choice. And it's a really hard, like Lee said, our body likes habits, our brain likes habits and to work on autopilot. And that has been a really challenging Mm -hmm. one for me to deal with is that stressful, emotional buffering with delicious potato chips and dip. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, I remember in my, I remember it as as though it was yesterday. I was sitting on um, my family's sailboat when I was like seven years old. It was the first time I'd ever had a Dorito. And it was like the heavens opened up and angels began to sing. (laughs) And I remember, because it was unique. I had never felt this way about food before. I remember like, I have to have more of these. It was a very specific moment in my life. <laughs> and the Doritos are one of those foods. They designed the crunch to crunch just right. You know, it dissolves in just the right way. It's got, you know, the right kind of seasoning and salt combination. It's probably got some sugar in there. Doritos is one of those foods that's absolutely designed to hook you and make you want more and more and more. And it's so funny that that one moment, I remember sitting in the sun on the top, I had my little life jacket on, I was in my bathing suit and it was like, what is this? And, you know, something happened. (laughs) Magical. Uh, That reminds me, um, Lee and I were roommates in Boston, another good friend of ours, Annie. Annie and I were headed up to Vermont one winter to go skiing and um, she goes, have you ever had these blue Doritos? And I was like, no, I didn't even know what she was talking about. I was like, no, but I mean, I'm in. And so the whole thing was like this hunt on this drive up. We had to keep stopping everywhere. And you would think like I did that blue Doritos meant like a blue chip, but it was just in the blue bag of Doritos. And to this day, <laughs> it's like, I, this is another thing that can help with cravings and contribute to cravings and urges is I only feel happy now when I see that. I think it's like cool ranch is yeah, cool ranch. Yeah. Cool ranch Doritos in the blue bag. Like I immediately, my brain is happy. So like if I'm having a bad day or I'm stressful, I was like, blue Doritos gets me in that like, Oh, life is easy. We're free. We're a couple of women driving down the highway, eating some blue Doritos. So it's like, you know, that's where, to me, I think that's the beauty of food. It can instantly transport you into a really happy memory of being on a sailboat at age seven when your family's <laughs> intact and everything's yeah. good and you're having a Dorito and stuff. And it's like, I, I think that part of the trick as we try to navigate food and cravings and urges now is how do you hold on to those good moments and those good memories and that enjoyment of food in a way that doesn't derail you from what you really want the next 10, 20 or 30 years of your life to look like. That's the goal for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
that, and there's another thing that's really close to what you were just talking about, this um, emotional memory making, um, and which is clearly for both of us is so it's like it's etched in our brains. Uh, but there is this very animalistic primal need for certain things under stress. There's a part of your brain that can take over your whole system when you feel super stressed and fearful. And that part, that part of your brain that takes over is very powerful. <laughs> now you can learn to work with it. We have tons of tools that we use to help ourselves overcome this sort of fight, flight, freeze, fawn, or eat <laughs> um, reaction to stress. Uh, you can get yourself out of it, but you've got to know how. You've got to, it is possible to deal with it, but it is a very powerful part of your brain designed to save your life originally. But it can, you know, when it's um, kind of, uh, triggered in a moment when really your life is not in danger, then, you know, a lot of hijinks ensue where you might just find yourself in the closet with a blue bag of Doritos. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, part of it is you know, like, I don't want to damage that memory. Right. So I don't want to demonize, um, Cool Ranch Doritos in some mm -hmm. way, because I don't want that then to suck that beautiful memory. Mm -hmm. away from me or tarnish it yeah it may feel like your teddy bear your you know teddy bear is being taken away like your yeah. mental emotional teddy bear it's like no I mean man I had one kid who was so attached to her blanket as a child it had a special name and it just kept disintegrating every time we washed it and she still has in a little jewelry box like the last few shreds Aww. of her Aki her blanket and so um her dad actually saved the last few shreds and put them in this little jewelry box and she still carries that thing around that's what it can feel like sometimes when you're having a hard time in life you're stressed out you don't want to deal with your emotions um it can feel like someone's taking away something so precious and dear to you and and of course intellectually you know you don't actually need to have those Doritos to have a good life but on an emotional level it can feel like that yeah exactly and so it's like when you're having a really bad moment like for me a really stressful moment it's that craving is oh eat Doritos and that'll go away mm -hmm. and yeah. I think the trick is when we start to talk about what some other solutions are it doesn't have to be Doritos I can enjoy that memory. Mm -hmm. without actually furnishing it. Yeah, like what uh, what else was happening in that memory that made you feel so good? Maybe you just need to call Annie, you know, yeah. call your friend Annie and talk to her about skiing in Vermont. Or maybe, you know, for me on the sailboat, I felt so safe. I felt so safe in that moment. And it was a really good moment. I was very happy about all the other things. I They could have avoided, avoided giving me those Doritos. I still would have had a really great day on that sailboat. But then now I pair those two things together. Yeah. I'm, I love that memory for you, Lee. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think one of the tough things about cravings and, and urges is when you're in burnout, mm. it's really hard to... Yeah. Um, try to figure your way now through an urge or yeah. craving. If you're in kind of a prolonged state of stress where you're working too hard, uh, giving of yourself to too many other people instead of yourself, 
And you know, again, that's that level of stress you're carrying. Maybe you're physically exhausted. When your resources internally are depleted, as they are in burnout and extreme stress or extreme fatigue, however you think of it, you just don't have the same resources in place to help you overcome these moments. And it can feel like a weak moment when you just kind of give in to your urges. And this is especially a time when you need to be super gentle and compassionate with yourself because you're already, if you're in burnout or a, a big fatigued or stressed or traumatized, you clearly, like if you think of your dearest friend being in that state, you know they need gentleness and compassion. Remember, you're that person too. It's it's not your fault that it's harder, but there are things you can do. There are things you can learn to do to help you in those moments, even when you're really, your resources are so depleted internally. Yeah, I have another. Um, even if you're not in full blown out burnout, you can still feel depleted mm-hmm. um, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And, yes. and then it's even harder to say no. And if you have kids, you know that they learn this at a really early age that um, your level of exhaustion <laughs> and your level of frustration and um, just emotional depletion means saying no gets harder and harder over time. So yes. that's why they'll keep asking over and over. Can I have this toy? Can I have this toy? Can I have this toy? Can I have a treat? Can I have a treat? Because eventually your ability to say no gets harder and harder. The more um, fatigued, exhausted, like I've made so many decisions today. I just can't say no, like no gets harder throughout the day. And um, I think your cravings can know that too. Like, I'm just going to keep knocking at this door because I know eventually if we keep knocking at this door, you're going to open it and yes, and you're going to kind of give in to whatever your craving might be. So I'm just going to, I'm going to throw in, this was not a tool we thought we'd use today, but I'm just going to throw in a little suggestion, a little coaching suggestion here. So a lot of you with your kids, if you have kids or nieces, nephews, if you ever babysitted before, you may have noticed that to get kids from continuing like, please, 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 now, 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 you know, to get them off that track, you can distract them. You can use the art of distraction, whatever that like, here's a coloring book you haven't seen before, or here's oh, let's go look at the truck outside, you know, whatever you need to do to distract them. And you can also, there's a part of you, like Mimi did a nice job of saying that the urge is a separate part of you, like a different person inside of you. And the urge has its own personality and its own needs. And it's coming to you, the overarching person in charge and knocking at your door. And you can use the art of distraction with the urge inside of you. So how would that work? You know, making a list of things you love to do that feel fun, even little tiny things like picking up the phone and calling your sister, or it could be tiny. Um, What else can you do to distract that part of you? But that wasn't even on our agenda for today, but I thought I'd throw that in there because it is like a toddler inside of you. Yeah, absolutely. So- as we start to talk about what some of the solutions might be, like how can you think about cohabitating peacefully with this craving that's 
living inside of you. We, you want it to be something that's really going to work long-term, you know, like it's easy to come in. I'm not, I don't even know why I said it's easy because it's not easy, but in a moment you can come up with a solution that works in the moment. But what you want is a solution that's going to work tomorrow, the next day, in two weeks when this craving hits, or has like Lee was seeing, if it's a part of your daily protocol, you know, a craving or an urge to have something every day, how do you face it? Um, like we want to come up with solutions that are sustainable for all of those situations. And for you, we're going to give you a few so you can trial and error and see which one works for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So in our programs and what we teach is that um, having a food plan in place for every single day. So, you know, you might do it the night before you might do it that morning is really important. People who have food plans do better than people who don't have food plans. And the same person on the day she has a food plan is going to do better on than the days she didn't have the food plan. And it's just a good discipline to get into. And after surgery, after bariatric surgery is especially important because you, you literally have to prioritize certain things to do well and have good outcomes. And one of those things is protein. So in your, um, so here's some things in your food plan that might help you with your cravings. So first of all, have a food plan <laughs> and you can even, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute. You can even add in some things that feel like little urge foods or craving foods, but we'll talk about that in a sec. But first you just got to have the food plan. Always put protein first for any meal or snack. So that's rule number one after surgery. Make sure whatever you're eating has a focus. You know, you may have some things on your plate that aren't pure protein, but the protein needs to come first. And then you're filling yourself up with the protein. That'll help with those urges and cravings. Absolutely. Because you might just find you're too full to then have something off plan or something that's not as great for you. Um, then the next thing with the food plan is you, you, you do want to think about each day appeasing that part of you that's like the little urge character inside of you, the urge toddler that's inside of you. So think of in your food plan as you plan each day, or maybe you're planning for a vacation or a road trip or whatever it is. Um, what could you have on hand fully stocked in your, you know, pantry and fridge that feels good to you? Like, you know, I'm having a craving, so I'm not going to reach for the box of chocolates, but I also love blueberries or blackberries and keep those on hand and clean and, you know, not with gray fuzz on them, you know, keep a fresh supply of those things, whatever it is that can appease that part of you that maybe isn't the worst version of that food. Does that make sense, Mimi? Yeah, it really does. I mean, and there's, you know, it could be like, I don't know if this is what you were thinking, but instead of having like a whole cupcake, I can mm -hmm. have like, for me, I keep uh, dark chocolate Hershey's kisses. Yes. Yeah. So um, if I ever do feel like I need a sugar fix, um, mm -hmm. I was like, that's a little thing. And that does it for me primarily because sugar is not my weakness. Yeah. So I can keep that on hand and, and it can fit that need for me. Like if it was, you know, what do I do instead of, salty snacks. Um, like one of the things that I've been working on is like nuts and I will roast them to make them even a little bit crunchier, you know, like nice. I'll toast them or something like that. Um, yeah, I use, I use that too. That's a good one. Uh, roasted chickpeas. Mm -hmm. like I think that's a 
beautiful, um, crunchy, high protein snack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started even like, I started getting into roasted chickpeas when my daughter became a vegetarian and we were looking for protein options for her. And then I was like, oh, this is really filling a lot of needs for me. Yeah. I like it when you make those. I I, have, I don't really make those at home, but I've been at your house when you've made them and they are really good. Yeah. I put them on everything, soups, salads. Yeah. I have them just plain as snacks. You can make them super spicy, not spicy. They're beautiful. I thought we can drop a recipe in the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Here. That would be great. That would be you're great. In our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And the, the trick with this one, if you're going to add some foods to your pantry and fridge that can help you in those craving moments so that you don't reach for the thing that's really going to trigger you is to find, make it, make sure that the things you put on your plan aren't also trigger foods. So along the lines of what Mimi was saying with the Hershey's kisses, um, I've tried to just scale down the kind of sugary thing I can have. So it's really small. And so in trying to do that, I was thinking, oh, buttermints, you know, buttermints might do. They're so tiny and I don't normally crave them at all. I never even think, but I was thinking they're so tiny. That would be a great thing to have on hand. Boy, was I wrong. How did, who knew that that would be a huge trigger food for me? And I, I wanted to eat the whole bag. I finally had to throw them in the trash because I'm like, I had no idea this would be such a trigger for me. Yeah. So you have to find the things to keep on hand that are satisfying, but not triggering. Yeah. I think that's a good, a good second tip. Mm-hmm. It's to like, so tip one was like, make sure you've got your food plan that you've created in a way that's satisfying to help keep down the, the um, cravings and the urges and to find things that satisfy you in the way the food that you crave satisfies you, but doesn't send you on a eat all that I possibly can journey. Exactly. Exactly. And that takes some experimentation and that's where, again, the self-forgiveness has to come in. You have to be aware that this is kind of a trial and error, new life for you, where you're going to be trying some things you'll discover it doesn't work, but keep, don't take it personally. You just discovered that something didn't work. And then you move on to something that will work and you just forgive yourself very quickly. Like, I didn't know I was going to try that. Like I had no idea those um, butter mints would do that. (laughs) I had no idea. So I had to forgive myself because there wasn't, um, a slight tendency to say, oh my God, this, you, you haven't healed at all. You, you still get, you know, triggered, blah, 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 but you just got to stop the mental drama. Just get, start trying it. Like, okay, I'm going to forgive myself right now. Cause I had no idea that was not, that was not a sneaky plan of mine. That was very innocently trying to do the right thing. And it, it went wrong. And then you just get out. Like I've learned, I do not bring those in the house, but I can find other things I like. Yeah, because it would have been so easy to say, oh my gosh, even a butter mint is yeah. problematic. What's wrong yeah. with me? What's wrong with me? Like, yeah. yeah, that's it. But it's like, nope, it's just that that wasn't the right one. So that was the wrong see. one. Yeah. Let me see if um, that's it. And I think um, maybe like a third tip is keep those foods fully stocked all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like just make sure you have available the things that are going to make you be successful, like set your pantry up, set your refrigerator up, you know, whatever it is, set that up for success. 
Yeah, because I can, I in the past, I would have a tendency to just let everything go down to zero before I'd go to the store because I hate shopping. And so I, then what's, what starts to happen is you lose your supply of the things that get you through the day. <laughs> you know, the healthier foods, the protein foods, if you let those dwindle too much, then you don't have enough on hand to satisfy you. And then that's when you, you, your urges and cravings can start to take over because you literally don't have what you need there. So I keep way more fully stocked, very consciously stocked on the things I need to have. Yeah. That's when that craving in your head is like, not, 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 not. I know your resources are low. Yes. And yeah, it's that fear brain. Exactly. Yeah. It can really take over. Um, I think another thing that's really helpful too, um, was really helpful for me, especially is um, keeping a food journal, especially if you're doing your food plan. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're kind of checking in either throughout the day, the end of the day or the next morning, you know, however you, whatever the timing is that you work, you know, did you have cravings throughout the day? When did they occur? What did they look like? How did you handle them? You know, I think this idea, Lee and I are big believers that collecting data is just collecting data, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything about you. It's not saying anything negative, but if you can write down like, oh, I, it tends to be seven o'clock every night. I start to crave this, or, you know, if I don't eat a solid breakfast in the morning by 10 o'clock, I'm just like rummaging through everything, trying to, to find some satisfying that need. So if you can like keep a journal of when cravings hit, like for me, I know in the car is a really triggering moment for me. It's super easy. It's like French fries can call me from across the County. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, I need to be really mindful. And so I can start to set up some protocols that like when I'm getting in the car, what do I need? Like, do I need to have a staff with me? Do I need to tap? And like tapping is a big thing to help, but you know, whatever it is, but it is like that journaling and identifying if there's certain times a day or certain situations, if you know, you got to call your boss or your mom or, you know, whoever <laughs> it might be, if that's going to be a yeah. triggering moment. Right. Just start to take note of that and really kind of collect that data. It's, it gives you so much information and with information comes better decision-making. Yeah. I mean, you're becoming your own detective and your own scientist around stuff that goes on inside of you in your mind and in your body. And you're, you're learning to think like a, your own scientist and your own detective all the time on this journey. It's, it's never ending really, but it's a part of your brain that really wants to be exercised here. And it helps you develop independence from the diet industry so that you can figure out for yourself, what works for you and be your own source of wisdom, but, but only following the track of the things that actually work so that you're actually getting, you know, they work because you're getting the results. You only know they, I'm going to say it one more time. You only know they work because you're getting the result and you can replicate this over time. You know, it's something that you can do forever because it, it works for you. That's the premise. And then um, I guess the fifth thing we already said was the, you know, have a non-food distraction protocol in place for the part of you that's like the little urge monster toddler and uh, make sure you've got 
some ideas about how you can distract yourself easily with something easy to do. Again, you know, you don't want to say it's going bowling if that's like hard and then you have to find someone to go bowling with, or I don't know why I said bowling, but you want to have something in your house or in your yard, something easy to to just turn your attention to that you actually like, or it, it you go kind of into a zone when you're doing it. Cause when you're in a, a flow of working in your garden or, you know, some people like folding laundry, I don't know who they're crazy, but they do. And, um, you know, just go do one of those things where you kind of go into the zone, you know, you're, you're just, um, happy doing it. And it just takes your mind away from the urge or the craving. Yeah. I have one more quick one too. Um, mm-hmm. And I learned this one when um, my husband was an alcoholic and battled alcohol addiction, which meant he was, he just was a highly addictive personality. And so one of the um, tools that we tried for him was really giving him a crutch, which for him was oh, those little candies called lollipop dum-dums. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Like for a lot of people, it would be like a dum-dum or somebody, some people would just be like something that they popped on their wrist, you know, or if you just did tapping on your karate chop, but some kind of thing, like we called it a crutch, which might, I don't know if that sounded, sounds like a terrible thing to have to have or not have to have, but it's really helpful. It's just like in that moment, like what's something I can do. And then you're starting to train your brain to look for Mm -hmm. that and to do that thing Mm -hmm. instead. It might be folding laundry. It could, it could be, yeah, it could be something like, I mean, I've seen people snap like uh-huh. a band on their wrist and um, yeah, I've seen people do that. And what you're going to be doing here is you're going to be finding one of these things that works for you best and then trying some backup things so that you have an arsenal of things you can try that are easy for you, enjoyable, doable, uh, not something you just do for two weeks and then drop. Um Yeah. And I think like, as we wrap up today, we just want to remind you that you are smart and you can figure out what works best for you. Like we can share with you what works best for us. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your nutritionist and your surgeon and your surgeon can tell you exactly what they think you should be doing or should it be doing. But ultimately you're going to have long-term success when you come up with your own solutions And again, like different situations might need really different solutions. You know, that's fine. I think like Lee talking about, you know, being the detective in your life, like that's really um, such wise advice, Lee. It is. It is. (laughs) I think like just stick with us. We're going to have a series on navigating cravings um, Mm -hmm. for the next few podcasts. So keep coming back. It's just, it really is a complex and fascinating yeah. Yeah. So it requires some patience and just the willingness to sigh and know that it's not an easy either or solution. It's just going to be you learning what works for you and you will, you will, you will learn what works for you. So we usually pick a song to kind of go with <laughs> just because we love music. We thought it'd be fun. Um, we do have a Her Genius playlist on Spotify. And so the song that goes with today is kind of honoring that inner part of you, the little urge monster, um, and to think of it maybe with some comedy. <laughs> but it's the song There She Goes by The Laws. I won't butcher it and try to sing it, but <laughs> it was popular in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s. I forget, but yeah. Oh, I thought it was older. 
oh, maybe, maybe it is. I'm totally wrong. It could be because, you know, my age, it, it may be, who knows, early 80s and 70s for all I know. The 80s seems just like yesterday. Yeah. So there she goes. There she goes again are the first two lines and that your little urge monster is going to be with you, but just kind of embrace her and work with her. Super. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening. In fact, if this resonated with you and you know someone else who needs to hear this, please share our episodes. We would just love that. We also would love it if you would follow, subscribe, and rate our channel because this lets us know you're actually there and it helps us show up in searches, which would be awesome. Please be a part of our community and mission to help as many women as possible free themselves from diet culture so that they can go beyond dieting.